Hello, my name is Miruna from the Skeptics in Romania podcast and I am bringing you the skeptical news from around the world. Families of missing persons are tormented by fake leads from people playing pranks, convicts looking for a way to escape doing time, and psychics. A report on ABC News details the suffering of various families that were promised information that would lead them to finding their loved ones. James Koenig's 18-year-old daughter Samantha has been missing since the 1st of February from Anchorage, Alaska. Her distraught father posted his phone number on missing persons flyers and now he's getting phone calls with fake leads from people looking to cash in on his pain. The Anchorage Police Department is investigating his daughter's disappearance and is being flooded with calls from psychics claiming to have information about Samantha. We've never had a psychic lead that turns out to be correct, Anchorage Police Lieutenant Dave Parker declared. The families are tormented by letters from psychics, misleading Facebook pages, anonymous letters and mysterious phone calls, among other attacks. Dwayne Baker's son Travis disappeared on the 14th of April 2007 in Taylorsville. He was last seen driving a 1998 candy apple red Camaro to a friend's house. More than two years later, his skeletal remains were found and a man was charged with his murder. His father had this to say about fake leads. The psychics, I hate to say, how many of those called me and said they knew where Travis was. My mother and wife went to one and paid them $100. The attacks have gotten worse with the advent of the internet and social media, according to Ernie Allen, the president of the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. The ease with which people can remain anonymous online makes it difficult for families to defend themselves. In many ways, this is either simple cruelty for the sake of cruelty, or it's just people doing things, mindless things, without really thinking about the fact that there are people harmed by it, Alan said. The frequency with which this is done to these families is just an outrage, he added. Astrologer Jessica Adams got caught with a specific prediction that did not pan out after she declared that the Australian dollar would become volatile between the 3rd and 6th of February. This is what a detailed description of the Australian currency's faith from her website stated. On February the 3rd, Neptune enters Pisces and the Australian dollar will go loco. Loco is the Spanish word, which I have carefully chosen, for crazy, insane, mad. Its new loco phase will probably kick in from 7am on Monday, February the 6th at the latest, which is the next full business day for trading for the Australian Securities Exchange in Sydney after the new Neptune cycle begins. The Australian dollar was born on the 14th of February, 1966. If you are new to astrology, it may seem odd to you that of currency being born, but astrologers believe that everything, even an apple pie or Australia itself, has a birth chart. Neptune is going to confuse and distort Australian currency after February the 3rd, 2012, when he enters Pisces in the second house of the Australian dollar's solar chart. Australian skeptic Richard Saunders noticed that her prediction has failed and mentioned it on Twitter. The Australian dollar did not register any spectacular changes that could be interpreted as going loco. So far, there has been no response on the part of Miss Adams. A recent upgrade to Google Earth has put an end to rumors that the search engine had found the lost city of Atlantis. The 2009 launch of Google Ocean, an underwater extension of Google Earth, included a grid formation in the Atlantic that prompted many to speculate that it was the mythological city. The grids were actually just the result of overlapping datasets. 
Google's ocean data is created in part from sonar waves, which combined with other types of data can cause these grids to appear. But Google added new seafloor data with a recent update, which resulted in the removal of these lines. The original version of Google Ocean was a newly developed prototype map that had a high resolution but also contained thousands of blunders related to the original archived ship data, geophysicist David Sandwell told Life Science. Google has also taken additional steps to ensure the accuracy of the maps on Google Ocean. It now takes 15% of its ocean floor imagery from shipboard soundings, a 5% improvement compared to the previous version. That rate is set to improve again later, later this year when Google deploys a new calculation method that yields depth predictions that are twice as accurate. General Motors said Sunday it stands by its Super Bowl ad. The ad plays on the Mayan calendar's predicted 2012 end of the world, in which survival depends on driving a Chevrolet Silverado. We stand by our claim in the commercial that the Silverado is the most dependable, longest-lasting, full-size pickup on the road. The ad is a fun way of putting this claim in the context of the apocalypse, said the GM Global Chief Marketing Officer Joel Iwanek. GM, in a statement, pointed out that the ad is an over-the-top spoof with the devastation and destruction predicted to occur this year by the Mayan calendar, including giant attack robots, meteors, and frogs falling from the sky. And now let's look at some news in science. President Barack Obama had fun launching marshmallows from an air cannon at the second science fair organized at the White House. President Obama stressed the importance of science and engineering education for, for the country's future and announced increased investment in science education from both the public and private sector in the United States. This is what's going to make a difference in the country over the long haul. This is what inspires me and gets me up every day. This is what we should be focusing on in our public debates, Obama said. This is the kind of stuff what these young people are doing that's going to make a bigger difference in the life of our country over the long term than just about anything. Obama honored 100 students from 40 different science competitions across the country. He was joined by Bill Nye, the science guy, and Tom Khalil of the White House Office of Science and Technology Policy, along with other government officials. Presentations exhibited at the science fair ranged from homemade robots and marshmallow cannons to emergency shelters and studies of sheep genetics and cancer treatments. Many of the students are patenting their ideas and pursuing their own companies as well as winning awards. Student Haley Hoverter designed an ecologically conscious dissolvable sugar packet to cut down on coffee bar waste. The president also got to meet Samantha Garvey, an Intel Science Talent Search 2012 semifinalist. The teen learned of her nomination for the project studying the life of mussels in Long Island while she was temporarily homeless. To encourage these science-minded youth, Obama pronounced today steps that his administration and its partners are taking to educate 100,000 math and science teachers and to train 1 million additional science, technology, engineering and math also known as STEM, graduates over the next decade. To that end, the president has promised an $80 million investment in the STEM teachers from the Department of Education into the upcoming budget, which hasn't yet been approved. This would cover prog programs that allow undergraduates to get both a STEM degree and a teaching certificate, including time spent in the classroom honing their skills. 
An additional $22 million has been donated by 14 private companies, including the Carnegie Corporation of New York, Google, and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Austrian extreme athlete Felix Baumgartner, 41, plans to skydive from a balloon in the stratosphere at an altitude of more than 36,500 meters. If he can do it, he'll become the first person to break the sound barrier outside an aircraft. He'll also break a trio of other records that have stood for more than 50 years. Baumgartner's plunge would mark the highest skydive, the highest man balloon flight, and the longest freefall at about 5 minutes and 30 seconds. The quest, called Red Bull Stratos, recently got back on track after being stalled by a legal challenge. Baumgartner's balloon is set to launch from Roswell in August. While the dive will certainly offer a thrill, Baumgartner says he's jumping for science too. The team will study Baumgartner's physical condition and the effects of such a dive on the human body in an effort to better understand how people can survive in space. The Red Bull Stratus team also includes aerospace engineers who are custom designing cutting-edge technology for the jump. Russian scientists announced that they have reached Antarctica's Lake Vostok, an ancient liquid lake that the size of Lake Ontario buried beneath more than 3 kilometers of ice for at least 14 million years. The revelation comes after days of speculation on whether the years-long effort has finally achieved its goal. News of the scientific milestone was on hold as Russian headquarters waited on some measurements from Vostok Station, the tiny outpost in the middle of the East Antarctic ice sheet, where the Russians have been drilling toward Lake Vostok since the late 1990s. The team's ice-scoring drill broke through the slushy layer of ice at the bottom of the massive ice sheet and reached fresh liquid water on the 5th of February at a depth of more than 3,700 meters. Scientists suspect that the massive lake could house cold-loving organisms uniquely adapted to live in the darkness under the ice. The lake has been cut off from the outside world since the ice sheet covered it as long as 34 million years ago or, according to the most modest estimates, 14 million years ago. Some scientists have expressed concern over the drill method the Russians are using at Lake Vostok. Their ice-scoring drill uses what is essentially jet fuel to keep the long borehole from freezing over season after season, and there are fears that the fuel will contaminate the lake or at least the lake water samples retained for research. The Russians have maintained that because the freon, kerosene, and other hydrocarbons in the drill fluid are less dense than water, they will be pushed up through the borehole and will never touch the lake. Their press release states that this has indeed been the case and that drill fluid has been pushed up and away from the lake itself and into sealed containers. Drilling began at Vostok Station in the 1970s before anybody realized that one of the largest lakes on Earth lay beneath the site and the drill the Vostok team is using wasn't built to retrieve lake water. It can only fetch ice, thus the team won't be able to actually get their hands on water samples and test them for life until next season. The water must be left to freeze in the borehole over the austral winter. Teams from the United States and the United Kingdom are set to begin their own drilling projects to long-buried Antarctic lakes and have the advantage of -of state-of-the-art equipment designed specifically for the task. After more than a decade of work and at least two seasons when the team came agonizingly close to reach Lake Vostok, the announcement was a welcome one and coincided with Russia's Day of Science, celebrated on the 8th of February.
Chimps know what tools others need to get work done and can help them select the right instruments, suggesting that apes have the ability to understand the minds of others, scientists have found. The capability to consider the goals and share the perspective of others, known as theory of mind, has long been considered unique to humans. This aptitude may be why humans cooperate in an altruistic, pro-social manner to to develop societies. To see whether our closest living relatives, chimpanzees, possess theory of mind, scientists tested how well the apes could understand the goals of other chimps. Researchers presented five chimpanzees with seven tools on a tray. These apes witnessed other chimps struggling with tasks where they could receive a a reward of juice and could potentially help them by handing them a tool. The apes used in these experiments were all mother-child pairs, enhancing the chances they would want to provide aid. The potential helpers offered the necessary tool about 80% to 100% of the time. This suggested they understood the needs of the potential recipients. Chimpanzees, as well as humans, help others without any direct benefit for themselves, and their helping fits the others' needs, said researcher Shinya Yamamoto, a primatologist at Kyoto University in Japan. Amusingly, in our experiments, helper chimpanzees just helped and the recipient monopolized the juice. They never shared the juice. When the helper chimpanzee reached out his or her arm toward the juice in the recipient's hand, the juice owner drank up the juice and handed the empty bottle to his or her benefactor. It was something embarrassing for me, the researcher stated. And now, in local news from Romania, we learned that one of the satellites in the Galileo satellite system will be named Irina. The European Commission has announced the winner of the drawing contest that will allow children aged 9 to 11 to name a satellite. The Romanian winner for the Galileo contest is Irina Maguranu. The contest has designated 27 winners, one from each member state of the European Union. Irina Maguranu has been chosen as a winner from 220 other participants by a jury composed of astronomers and other personalities. The Galileo project will be Europe's own satellite positioning system independent from other countries and from other global positioning systems. The Romanian Health Ministry has announced that Romania has registered 3,700 cases of rubella and 4,200 cases of measles by the end of January in Bucharest and 30 other districts. This is due to a lack of information about vaccines and their availability, but also because of a growing number of parents who refuse to vaccinate their children, fearing the side effects of immunization. This was Miruna for The Skeptical Reporter. This show was recorded today, the 9th of February, 2012. Thank you for listening.